Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. All right, Pokemon fans, competitive players, grandmas out there, everyone listening to our podcast, we are back. Teach me Pokemon, ready to dive in to some competitive play, uh, talk to an amazing, an amazing, amazing guest. I think I say that every week, but we truly were blessed and lucky to have Raul Reddy on the podcast today to talk about his uh, his play, his performance uh, at Pittsburgh, which is our first regionals of this new season. Uh, also finished in the top eight there, which was awesome. Walking away now with $3,000. That's insane. Like before you'd finished top eight, you got like breadcrumbs and $700. Like this is, this is some real stuff now. So Raul has been a top player in our game for a while and was just a, a, an amazing interview. And we are so glad we get to share that with you. Uh, Jared and I uh, get to ask him some great questions. He's a little bit of a quote unquote older player, if you will. Uh, he's not even that old, but it's been good to kind of hash some things out with him and get to learn his story. And also, uh, you know, the reasoning why he, he picked Lugia, uh, you know, uh, a deck that you know, has seen just, just amazing play at, at major tournaments. And then, you know, rotation happened and did, we thought maybe it would die and, you know, it just comes back uh, a little reworked, maybe not as good as it used to be, but still an amazing deck. And, uh, and Raul felt like that was uh, what he wanted to run and what he wanted to pilot and clearly getting the top eight worked out. You know, he had some resistances uh, as far as the tiebreakers went to make top eight and he was the best. So clearly he had a tough road to get there to make top eight, uh, but we are so blessed to have him on the podcast and uh, get to hear his perspectives on not only Pittsburgh, but uh, the upcoming season. And uh, I don't know, Jared and I, again, this is just what we love to do. We love to bring guests on the show to help teach you Pokemon, teach us Pokemon. There's some awesome uh, tips that he shares with us about how uh, his process on, on uh, prepping for a tournament and the things he does to train. So enjoy this interview with Raul Reddy right after the break. Welcome everybody to Teach Me Pokemon, the podcast. I'm your host, Corey, and along with my co-host, Jared, we're best friends, been playing Pokemon for a very long time. We are back from break, and we have our interview guest here. Uh, Jared and I are pumped. Uh, Raul Reddy is on the podcast, uh, one of the top players, not just in NA, but in the world. Raul, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, how's your day going, man? Thanks for having me, guys. First and foremost, I think it's um, awesome what you guys are doing here. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, day's going pretty well, you know, just still kind of recovering from the weekend, a little bit tired. I'm, I'm starting to get old. So, you know, I can't really do the stay up as late as I used to be able to and run off of like two hot dogs on the weekend kind of thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. 
Jared and I know that all too well. Yeah, get, getting, old, getting old for sure. But you, you came off of a great performance in Pittsburgh, a top eight, uh, which now what pays out like 3K? Was yeah, that your prize? Crazy. Yeah. Oh, Raul, what, what was that before? What, what, uh, what was a top eight finish get you? $750 in the three boxes, oh. which quadrupled, I guess. It's like, so everyone's like talked about like how first place is like doubled across the board but like no one has like sat back and been like well all the other tiers have been like quadrupled and i'm like wow that's it's pretty crazy to think about that i mean it's a it's a well like needed increase but like yeah wow Wow. 3k that is incredible i mean you're you're looking at like and and we'll get into this a little bit you may have sponsors or something like that but like that's like paying for your trip and and some yeah. like oh yeah for sure like i i live in northern wow. virginia like I, I right outside of dc so like for me it was a drive as well and, yeah. and i stayed with a couple friends a little i was like maybe like 30 35 minute drive outside the city because stuff was a little bit expensive um so like between everything yeah, cool. I, I probably dropped like let's let's say like uh like 300 on the weekend i'll just like throw in food and everything um sure. so this is like a 10 times return for me which is kind of crazy sick dang dude come on pokemon i love it that's great um okay well we're gonna dive in we're gonna go uh three questions each it's kind of ha- how, how we do this we we may kind of expand on some depending on answers and things like that but the first one out the gate row we we try to just we try to give the layup here G- give us a a lot of times players are like us you know we see your name we know, okay, this guy, he's been playing a while. He's a good player. Give us the backstory. Like, where, where are you from? How did you get into Pokemon? I, I, I always love to know the origin story. Sure. So um, I'm a, I was born in 96, so I'm like a 90s kid. So like right in the thick of the era of uh, Saturday morning cartoons, you know, busting out Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Digimon, whatever. Like I would get up bright and early, um, catch those. Um, so I was always a fan of like that era of stuff. Um, so when I was younger, I had Pokemon cards, I had Yu-Gi-Oh cards, I had the whole shebang. Uh, the one thing my parents would get me pretty much for Christmas every year was like whatever new Pokemon game came out that year. That was yes. like the the easy gift for me. Um, yes. And when I was younger, like, you know, I would um, spend my summers in India where my grandparents were because uh, mm-hmm. it was just, you know, spending time with my grandparents for my parents. And then like it kind of saves money on like a babysitter, I guess, just putting me on a plane. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> I was like glued to my Game Boy Advance or Nintendo DS or whatever. Uh, back then and fast forward to like middle school high school like right around that period uh heart gold soul silver had come out um mm. and i remember back when i was younger it wasn't cool to play pokemon it, you kind of got like bullied <laughs> for it um <laughs> so you don't want anyone to know and i remember yeah. bringing my poke walker to school like the little thing that would track your steps and get you items yes um, and it fell out of my pocket one day and i was like oh no i'm my my middle school high school life is ruined. it's, it's over it's I'm over a, i'm a weird kid it's over um, but i ended up making like two really good friends off the back of that who uh both no longer play they both kind of stopped uh, about a year later but uh those two guys and i like kind of just like hit it off uh as friends and we kind of found our old cards, started making up our own rules. And I remember like one of their moms was like, hey, like she thought it was great because it's like, you know, uh, like hanging out with your friends and having an activity to do on like Friday evenings. Um, she found a library for us that was like nearby, like it was like a two and a half mile, uh, maybe three miles from my house. Uh, and so I would just like come home from school, hop on my bike and just bike down into the town. Um, and I would bring my cards. We would go to uh, this library league. 
And there are some other players that used to go there, some names you might have heard of, uh, Jimmy Pendarvis, yeah. Michael Pramawat, some oh, wow. players that you used to show up to this Friday uh, library league. So I kind of <laughs> got lucky with my start where like I got to meet these wow. guys off the rip. Um, yeah. And once these guys, these other two guys kind of stopped playing, um, I, I stuck with it. Like I went to a cities um, in my first year playing, didn't like I got a game loss immediately because my deck was illegal because I just didn't <laughs> understand what was going on. Uh, and from there, I ended up getting uh, bailed out. Like I went to league one day and one of the one of the friends I had there was like, hey, my dad and I are driving to Indianapolis for U.S. Nationals. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you want to you want to come. And I was like, there's no way my dad's going to say yes to this. Like, there's no <laughs> way. Like... And so my dad came to pick me up because I would I would just not bike back because it's like it was like it's like a downhill there, but like an uphill back uh, when you're like. 15 or 14 um when it's dark out probably not the safest thing to do um, <laughs> probably yeah. so my dad would swing by and just like pick me up uh, in like our van and the bike and he and the other dad got to talking uh while we were doing like there was like a rec center nearby so we would always like play some ball afterwards um and just like yeah. chill and i i get home and i'm like kind of nervous like hey dad like you know um i know this is like a long shot like they're leaving in like two weeks like can i go and my dad was just like, yeah, like, uh, I think oh, I think it's a cool opportunity. Nice. like he, he, like my mom was like, not about it. Like she was like, I don't really know what this is. I don't, I'm not about it. My dad's like, let him have fun. He's like a boy, like go like, let him yeah. live his life. And, uh, yeah. the first time I walked into us nationals, uh, this is 2011, by the way. Um, okay. I fell in love instantly with the atmosphere because I have never seen so many people that love the same thing I did. Um, yeah. like that was such a cool feeling as a kid who, you know, you're trying to find your place in the world and you walk in and you're like, wow, all these guys, like there are thousands of people in this room that are here for the same passion and hobby that I'm here for. That's cool, man. That's that's a really cool um, story. I think a lot of people would identify with that and have similar experiences that, wow, I love that. Especially I, I, the li- the library league too. I can, I, I, I we played at a couple of library tournaments ourselves totally man totally yeah we can relate i i i love your i've never heard it phrased that way right where it's like you do you go in and there's a thousand people now there's you know two thousand people <laughs> yeah. like that all love the same thing in one big room and and for the most part i, I mean Jared and I have been doing this a, a long time. You know, we're yeah. we're a little older, we're a little older than you, and and I and we've never really run into any bad people. Like it's it's always it's always just enjoyable experiences. And yeah, I and like that, love it. Yeah, and as like a kid too, you walk in and like you walk to like like sure the main event might not go great, but there's like side events, there's like the vendors, like the whole yeah. experience uh, for yep. someone who's young or their first time. It's like kind of overwhelming in a good way. Um, mm-hmm which is why like I always encourage people like if even if you can't make it to like a regionals for example I think like NAIC is the one where you should try to try to get there and just have a have an experience like kind of thing sure totally that's great cool. that's great well I want to I want to I love the backstory but I'm going to bring us all the way up to this past weekend sure? with this next question uh new season mm-hmm. first regionals you decide hey I'm playing Lugia yep bring us into the mindset of the decisions that led you to play that deck because with our podcast we're trying to help people get better at playing the game absolutely Um, so i think first and foremost uh, what i encourage most players to do if you're like newer or if you are kind of just finding your footing is pick one deck and stick with it 
um, don't really like give into this ebb and flow of the meta game and like what's happening because a lot of the time the meta share that you see is like delegated by a couple of top players. Uh, and I think yeah. a great example is Vance Kelly, who just won the World Championships, has been sticking with Mew pretty much post COVID. Like he has only been playing yeah. Mew. And I think by just picking one deck and sticking to it, you'll get very, very good at the game or like learning how like the flow charts of the game. Uh, but when you get to like a level like mine, you can kind of feel confident enough to like bounce back and forth between decks. And like you have enough in your repertoire because you just play a lot, like going into worlds and NAIC, like the format hasn't changed too much in my opinion uh, from then. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have played uh, like hundreds, uh, if not like close to a thousand games, probably of this format, like in general between NAIC and worlds prep and stuff like that. So I kind of have a good understanding of how everything should work. Uh, for both NAIC and worlds, I locked in guard war. Uh, NAIC went pretty okay. I got top 64 and then worlds did not. I started 02 and uh, was out of the tournament by round six. So not the hottest uh, finish for me, but I did feel like I didn't necessarily play too bad uh, with Gardevoir. I think I didn't make too many mistakes. I felt like I played pretty clean. I was pretty comfortable and that therein lies the problem. I was like, I can play really well, but I'm not winning games. Mm. Like I feel like I have to work really, really hard to win games. And so even though Gardevoir was my comfort pick, I was kind of sitting there like, I don't know, like with this many people, you can't really tie uh, if you want to win the tournament. And I feel like I don't have any, I don't sit down in any matchup and I'm like, okay, this is a good matchup for me. Like Gardevoir sure. feels like a deck where it's like, I'm slightly unfavored in every single matchup, but my deck is just so powerful that if I get the ball rolling, um, yeah. I can win games. Yeah. So yeah. Gardevoir was my like number one pick uh, heading up. You know, I was driving up. Um, thinking about it and I'm, I'm i had one of my local buddies harris who was in the car with me and we were just talking the whole way up and he's like i'm playing lugia for sure and i'm like why like talk like talk me through it and he was just like um you have very little control over your games but the games you do have control and you set up mm-hmm. like it's one of the most powerful decks and i'm like that's not a good selling point like you're not <laughs> like this is like probably the worst elevator pitch i've ever heard um, and like the the further on the drive we get, he's like kind of talking about through the matchups and we're like like kind of walking through it step by step because I like to always like um, play devil's advocate in these arguments because I want to make sure there's like, uh, like I punch through the holes in the argument just to be like, hey, are we just coping in this matchup? Just saying like, it'll be fine. Or is there like actual validity to being like, this is fine to take a loss too um, type of thing. Yeah. So we get closer and closer and my mind's kind of like on Mew at this point. I'm just like, I feel like Mew is still in a really good spot. Um, coming off of the back of a win. And I think a lot of good players have not respected it completely still. And with 1,800 people, you'll probably walk through the tournament without hitting Drapions or Tombs as much. Um, mm-hmm. And so I get here, I go to the venue. I'm like kind of like talking to a couple of people. Um, and a lot of people are also feeling me. And I'm like, okay, I don't really like that. Um, <laughs> I don't really like that everyone yeah. else is on the same place that I'm at. Like, uh, And to be completely fair, like uh, for the viewers at home, I uh, definitely was not fully invested in this regional i actually got back from japan uh like seven eight days before pittsburgh wow so um, i i hadn't really like fully reset i think is the best way to put it um like i got back and i was getting back into like my regular routine my regular day like day-to-day life and so like pokemon wasn't like the top thing on my mind um Mm -hmm. but i still wanted to play you know i was like i still want to play i still want to be here um and my logic was like you know if if Lugia has like the best matchup spread on paper and I get to play every single game. Obviously the games you don't play, you lose. Um, (laughs) But that, that holds true with every deck. It's like, if I get to play the game, I think in theory, this is one of the few decks that doesn't care if I go first or second. In theory, it's one of the few decks that has um, a good enough matchup spread that I could win the tournament. Um, And so I kind of 
talk to Reagan, who uh, is the resident Lugia expert. Um, <laughs> and we kind of talked it through and he was like, nah, man, I want Urshifu. And he went to bed with Urshifu in the list. And I, I wasn't really like content with that answer. Like the answer he gave me about how to deal with matchups. And I was thinking about Maridon. I'm like, I kind of want to have a good Maridon matchup or not good, I guess, yeah. but like a playable Maridon matchup. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so you need this stone, I think. Yeah. And so I, I hopped on a call with Justin Bakari, who is now uh, retired, but he, I'm still going to like rope him into like my discussions because he's like my advisor at this point. Um, cool. So I, I hopped on the phone with him for a couple, like an hour about after I got back to my hotel and we like talked it through and I was like, I think third Iono and stone are just better than Urshifu. Mm. And so then I, and I hit up Reagan, he was already passed out. So like I messaged him, I'm locking in these <laughs> two cards. Um, I'm going to bed. And then I woke up and he was like, sure, I'll do it with you. Uh, same 60. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's send it. And nice. um, I went in with the mentality of like, anything could happen and I got to get a little lucky anyway. So as long as I play well and luck goes in my favor, I should have a good run. I love that. I love that. Cause like what the things that I'm hearing and we've heard from past guests is like, sometimes it's, sometimes it's a feeling, sometimes it's a meta read, but even what you said about, you know, subbing in third Iona, sometimes it's just a couple little tweaks that are going to make the difference in your run. And I love hearing the thoughtfulness of what you're saying that this is all very intentional. This is not random. I called four people. I, I think that's huge. Yeah. 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 I love that. I, I kind of, my, my question, I think will just be a continuation of that Raul, but like, what does, you know, I, I know this tournament was a little weird because you were in Japan for a long time, but like, what does a, a lead up to a regionals or an international tournament look like for you as far as testing goes? I mean, do you, you have like, do you go, do you go to your local card shop and, and play live with someone? Are you online? Are you, uh, just theory crafting like what does that week look like for somebody that you know tell us that so somebody's gearing up for regionals sure. they're not at the level that you're at but like they're they want to potentially get there what does that kind of prep look like for you um, I think it depends on your resources that are available to you uh, I'm very fortunate to have a good support system around me with the uh, testing group that I have um, so I'm not necessarily like the grinder like I'm not the guy who puts in um like hours and hours on just like playing games. I, I think that like is really counterproductive to me because mm. I, I have like really bad tournament anxiety. I know I've been doing this for uh, 12 years and it's still yeah. uh, the, the nerves still get to me um, from time mm. to time. Yeah. So no, I, I don't like playing a ton of games because I feel like um, the recency bias and stuff like that will kind of just like start clouding my judgment uh, where it's like, oh, like Lugia maybe like in, in theory has like an 80% win rate up till now. But like this last like day, I went like 05 with it. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm scared. Like, <laughs> like yeah, that happens. Yeah. So uh, we, I'm very fortunate to have Isaiah who um, puts in the work. He puts in the leg work. He plays a lot of Pokemon. So he kind of like. Isaiah, Isaiah Bradner. Bradner. Yeah. Bradner. yeah. So he kind of like, like he kind of puts in the hours to like flesh out these lists and the ideas. Um, I kind of like will look at all the results like of online tournaments uh regionals like kind of look at what cards are being played what cards aren't play being played what's being talked about what's not being talked about i'm a very data-driven guy so i kind mm -hmm. of um like to look at the numbers and be like what makes the most sense in this scenario um and then i like to do a lot of in-person play when i get there like we'll hop on discord and like play a couple games here and there um, but I, it's like, I don't know, I'm very distracted when that happens. Cause like, I'm on my computer and like, I have my phone, you know, like it's very, yeah. it's very different. But then yeah. when we get to the tournament itself, like uh, for regional specifically, like usually Friday, get there, lock it in, like, um, 
from whenever we check in, we try to go to check in as early as possible. And then from that moment onwards, we're just play, 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 play. Like we'll have like three or four tables in a row set up, like a bunch of games going. We'll be playing, we'll be playing matchups. We'll stop and be like, okay, what happened here? We'll stop, we'll analyze it. Um, and sometimes we won't even like finish, like we will read, we'll dial back a scenario in a game to mm. kind of like replay it because you don't get those scenarios very often. And it doesn't make sense to play a full game out to get back to that point. Like you can just redial it back and just talk mm. through the scenario. Of like if I do this, would you do this? Like what would happen here? Um, and it's like, okay, oh. if I do this, then you do this. And so in theory, this should win. Um, and like, we don't do non-factor games. Like there are bricks occasionally we'll, we'll factor them in, but like, just, I'll be like, just go get another basic. Like it doesn't make sense to keep playing this game. Uh, okay. Um, like don't waste time. Oh, okay. Um, so for regionals, so usually it's like a one day thing. So it's kind of like a, I don't know how else to phrase this. Maybe you'll understand what I mean, but like, you're trying to say like, Hey, put yourself in like what the best case scenario would be so that I know what then my yeah. play would be based on what you would have. Yeah. Okay. Like going into like going into worlds last year to determine if Palkia was like a good deck or not. Uh, I didn't play Palkia, but like we were literally like making Palkia go second every single time to see if it would still win games. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Cool. Uh, for cool. ice season worlds is a little bit more different because um, there's a lot more on the line. And so usually there's like a new set associated with an IC or, or, or worlds. So the day the set drops usually is when I'll start like jumping on live, start playing games. And I'm the kind of guy who just wants to play ladder first. So like, I kind of want to just like get an idea of like what people are thinking and how people are approaching the game is like the best way to put it. Like there's always new cards, but everyone has a different idea of how they work. Um, so mm -hmm. I just want to kind of like test that out before I talk to everyone and get like their perspective on things. Um, and so then we'll, we'll like reconvene at like, you know, like our round table effectively and be like, I think this is good because of this. Or I'll be like, I think this card in particular is really good. I just don't know how to make it work. Um, yeah. And we'll have like those discussions and we'll be like, what decks are there to beat? Like what cards are there to like look out for? Um, and those are like the biggest conversations we usually end up having uh, yeah. for IC or Worlds. And we we so, try to get there a little bit early for ICs and Worlds, like also like maybe Tuesday of the week. Okay. So is, is the theory... So like we, we do, we've heard this and some other people we've had on the podcast of like their team or whoever they're going in with and it's the same 60. It is the, do you ever have like, like massive disagreements sometimes with teammates oh, and yeah. you're like, and you're like, Hey, we did your 60 at Charlotte. Now we're doing my, my 60 at Fort Wayne or something. Or do you ever <laughs> have those things? Or, or is there like one voice that kind of typically is like, okay, guys, I've heard everybody's points. We're running this and just be okay with it. Um, I think our group's a little bit different than other groups. Like I think um, Azul group, Azul's group most notably like is known for playing the same 60 uh, every mm. tournament. Yeah. I think our group uh, agrees that there are multiple decks that are good for a tournament. Like we, you have often seen us split off where like I played Reggie's for a good part of the season uh, and Reagan played Lugia or stuck with Lugia. Right. Um, like similarly, we will agree that there are multiple good decks. And so our theory is to make the best deck list possible for each of those decks for each event. Yes, it's more work. Um, and a lot of people disagree with us thinking that like there's there should only be one best deck, but I think there there can be multiple best decks in a, a little more wide of a format. And there are disagreements. There are like very like visceral disagreements at times. Like we will like it's like the like the boys will be boys kind of thing where it's like with with anything where like there's a lot on the line we'll yell at each other it'll like <laughs> as, as long as it doesn't get personal we'll like like we will do what we can to defend our point um the moment anything gets personal we're mature enough to kind of be like okay let's take a break like who like whoever's a little bit heated it's like one person goes take like takes a walk like the other person yeah. kind of like needs a breather like it happened it happened at a uic last year 
um like there was a pretty big disagreement between uh two of our members and so like i was literally like hey like to to, to one of them i was like yo let's get let's go to starbucks like we'll be right back like let's go get a drink like um we'll, cool. we'll be back in like yeah. 10 minutes and then the other person's like i need to like just air out you know um yeah especially when we're like testing for an ic we'll like rent a conference room and literally be playing in that room from 8 a.m to maybe like 10 p.m like we will not move oh, wow. it's like nice. like like one like whoever needs to like i need breaks more than other people so i'll go like do yeah. the food run like i'll go pick up like yeah. mcdonald's for everybody um, <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. i need a little bit of air to just like think about the games but it'll just be like games game like we just don't move like it's just it's very like methodical practice just mm. to like um get that last minute stuff in that's Love super it. interesting i want to i want to bring back up a point that you said because sure. i've been i've been marinating on it and i think this is important for our listeners to hear as they're trying to get better is what i love that you said is you're you're not interested when you're playing with your group and just getting a donk and saying oh this is better yeah like i i think i'm so guilty of that sometimes and like against maybe a bad if i'm playing online i know oh, hey, you know, I'm running Arceus into some version of Giratina. I'm definitely not favored in this matchup. Yeah. Somehow, because they dead drew or didn't have it, I won. I'm like, oh, I can beat Giratina. Like, I can I can make that happen regularly. Well, yeah. no, the truth is, but, but that's hard as a player because you so desperately want that win. Right. But I love how you guys are willing to delve into the, like, you would have said, like, no, put three Giratinas out there and see if I can Yeah, win. yeah, like, yeah, basically that. Like, I think in theory like if a, if a dead draw or something happens like it, it a brick is a brick like you can't account for bricks when you're uh testing or you can't account for bricks in a tournament they will happen it's just you can't account for it happening like i can't be sitting there on like in like round four being like yeah my opponent's got a brick so i'm gonna go four and oh like you can't just sit there and say that like that's stupid honestly like mm-hmm. you just can't um so you have to account for every possible scenario and if you know like a matchup is bad you should know why it's bad you should know what you can possibly do to try to swing it back in your favor maybe the other person the person on the other side of the table does not know exactly what to do in every scenario maybe you can swing back like four or five percentage points by doing something small that they wouldn't have otherwise expected uh attacking with something that doesn't normally you attack with like uh, maybe setting up a play that doesn't normally exist like i don't know like you just have to kind of like uh, that's the adaptability of players is kind of where that separates, I think, the good from the greats. No, I I love that. And and with that, the question I want to follow up with is to kind of help our listeners get better. What what is the biggest mistake that you see when you're in a tournament and in your mind, pl- the player you're against does X and you're like, oh, man, I gotcha. Are there are there any common tendencies that you see that people can work to tighten up their discipline? Uh, resource management, I think, is the biggest thing. Like, I think a lot of time players will play cards for the sake of playing cards without any like actual direction, and like mm-hmm. people will like play cards, and there'll be there should be games like in theory that I'm just out of, and then they'll play like a couple of resources, and I'm just like, well, I mean, now I can actually I own you and hope to you break a little bit, or like I can like disrupt you a little bit, um, or like just not like following through with all their emotions properly, like. Um, yes, you might have like a game, like, okay, I'll put this, like I played against the T-Tarp or uh, Luge Mirror this weekend. And my opponent was like, he took four prizes with one T-Tarp before I took a single prize, which should be lights out, should not even be put me in the game. And he had all three gift energies remaining in the deck. My opponent, rather than putting the gifts onto the board, he chose to just draw and attack with a T-Tarp with four energies, Mm. which now opens up the window for me to go my own T-Tarp and I own them. So now yeah. my opponent has to find urn, T-Tar, a bunch of other cards. Yeah. But that's a lot easier to do when you're having a full group of eight cards than three. That's smart. 
a small mistake like that is why I keep, you know, you don't always concede games immediately. Um, and if your opponent demonstrates that they know what they're doing and like they're going through all the paces properly, like sometimes just conceding and like going to the next one is better than wasting everyone's yeah. time. That's interesting. So, so you're actively weighing the the intelligence, the Pokemon intelligence of your opponent yeah. to maybe concede or not concede a game. I'll sit down and always give my opponent respect at the table. But the moment they will make a mistake that like I think is like silly or like just shouldn't have been made, I'm like, okay, this player's play level is close to this. They're focusing on these things, they're tunneling on these things. Like that's kind of like where my head goes immediately. Not in like a bad way. I don't mean to disrespect any. No, no, no. Um, it's yeah. just kind of like how I approach uh like staying in a game. And I think I think if you talk to other top players, they'll say the same thing. Like I think uh Tord and Azul are two of the people who get oftenly bailed out by their opponents, like getting nervous against them, uh, for example, mm, and making mistakes yeah. that they traditionally wouldn't make. Yeah, I think that does. I mean, we see that sometimes on stream and yeah. and, and then just, just kind of the theory behind that too, I bet happens a lot. I mean, that's, you know, you have 1,800 players at a tournament like this in Pittsburgh, but probably what, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know, a row, like 50 players out of that pool or like who you would consider – you know, maybe it's more, but like players that are maybe are, are at your level or close to it, you know, maybe it's a hundred or I don't know, but, but a majority of the field are people that are there that are, are are prone to getting probably nervous or making mistakes or common mistakes, but you still have to navigate through that field. And, yeah. and I just find that, I think that's a great answer to that question. Cause that is like what a lot of upstart players or even kids and juniors or seniors, like everyone needs to understand resource management but also go through the motions because your opponent's going to be watching those things and they're going to make decisions based on how you're playing. Obviously, I mean, that's the game, but um, I think that's a great answer. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, okay. We're going to wrap this up real quick. I have, I have a, a final question for you. It's more, more of a lighthearted question. And then, and then I have something I want to see if you remember. Okay. okay. So lighthearted question, what's been, at a tournament, we'll call it major tournament, regionals, international, worlds. Is there like a funny story, or is there something at a tape during a match that you were just like blown away by? Like someone just did this, or it's something that stuck in your mind. Not not like just a match that you won or a close match, but something that it just kind of like took you by surprise. Like I've never seen that at a tournament um, before, at a major tournament before. I don't necessarily know if it's like. The first thing that comes to mind is like a story that involves myself and Sam Chen. Um, and okay. for those of you who are listening, Sam is like probably the like the most jovial, like joking, like lighthearted guy you'll meet, uh, like heart of gold type of dude. Uh, this is kind of like when Sam and I were first becoming friends. Um, this was in uh, Portland, 2018. Uh, the meta okay. was a little bit wacky. Uh, he was playing Sylveon Control. And I was playing uh, Lucario, Buzz, uh, Lucario Lycanroc, yeah. Um, and so the deck was not good. <laughs> My deck was not good. <laughs> um, like, I think I made day two, and I looked at the day two meta. This was back when I was only top 32 cut, not 6-2-1. And I was like, oh, I have no good matchups. Like, I'm literally just showing up to collect my 250 and go home, basically. Um, mm -hmm. I, I knew I was, like, completely doomed. So I hit, I hit Sam, and this is, like, three rounds, or this is, like, I had like gotten lucky by winning like a mirror or something. And I'm in a position where like, if, if I win the next two, I can ID into top eight. Um, and so Sam and I are playing in this round and Sam is like kind of a friend, like where we've been acquainted for quite a while now. And he beats me game one. And so game two, I looked at him 
And I remember vividly being like, I have this Brooklet Hill in play right now. I'm doing exactly this much damage. I can go get another Pokemon in my deck and thin, but I'm, I can play this Kukui and I'm going to hit the exact two cards, which are strong energy and choice belt to win the game right now. And Sam's like, dude, that's just wrong. And I'm like, just, just watch. This will be funny this way. And then I just <laughs> did it. And I get the first card that's the strong energy. And the second card is the choice. Belt. Oh no! And I remember I started like, okay, this is like also like, don't ever do this, but this is like a live thing during a regionals. I like got up. This is like game two, so I've already lost game one. And so I'm just like getting up and like high-fiving people down at the table. <laughs> and I think I Sam was yelling something along the lines of, there is no God. Why have you forsaken me? Oh, uh, we both then got a warning and got to continue into our game three. <laughs> I, I lost almost immediately because the matchup is impossible. But oh, that's um, so funny. that was probably like my like number one. Like I can't believe I did this at a regional story. Gosh, that's amazing. Dude. I love that so much. I I okay. This is my story for you, and you're totally not going to remember this. Sure. But it actually was it was Portland regionals. Yeah. The year later, the next year, sure. you, you you yeah expanded. You were on Vespa Queen, broken deck. And if you remember this, and round ten, first match of day two. You and I played each other that day, and I, 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 you won't remember it. I walked in. I was eating Starbucks. I had oatmeal, and I was at the table, and I, I was on Sylvia on that day too. The next year later, oh, I lost. I remember format. Yeah, and and I remember that because I walked in and I was like, I, I was late. I think that was my first day two ever. Was that Portland regionals, and I was just like not accustomed to ever showing back. Yeah, up. yeah. To, to turn it and I'm like eating breakfast and I felt like a tool like because I was just like <laughs> I, I, just, I, I, I wanted to eat you were so nice uh, and I, ju I just remember that 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 match will always stick in my brain just because you know it's like oh kids this is right like I know like I know this name you know and but yeah. I was eating breakfast and I remember other people looking at me like is this guy eating breakfast right now and it was just, <laughs> I was so hungry I think I kept putting the little cup on the ground and anyway but no, I, 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 don't, I don't like that. remember all the details, but I do remember that game uh, kind of like yeah. I remember most of the games more than anything. Um, yeah. And I just remember yeah. like that matchup was like near impossible also for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, You're running like four DCE and it's just like, yeah, I think this is just over at some point. You I, know? I remember it's I had like a fair. shot. I think I like almost stole a game off you because I did play Blacksmith yeah. in that tournament. Um, yeah. And I remember yeah. I played I played Blacksmith just like, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what my logic was. I was just like, you know, Blacksmith seems pretty good this weekend. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I almost stole a game off you, but still on having like yeah. a million wish, HP was hard. I wish Raul's story was it was day two, 2019. This idiot with the Starbucks <laughs> <laughs> walked up. What a jerk! Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> too, too good, too good. Well, well, hey, Raul, Jared, do you have any final just wrap up question before before we roll? No, that's great. I, I feel like we've learned a lot from your experience and we're just super thankful for your sharing your expertise with us yeah, and, and your audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, we'll we'll be rooting hard for you, dude. I, I what a great it. way to start start the season off. Get, no, I didn't get, expect we'll it at all. It just kind of showed up and I was like, wow. Well, that's pretty yeah. neat. <laughs> there you go. Hey, do you do you have a like a full time job or do you play Pokemon yes. full time or what? Okay, what what do you do? Just so, curious. um, I graduated in 2019, uh, and uh, I graduated with two degrees. I have a degree in economics and finance, uh, and a minor in comp sci. And I currently work okay. as a uh, software engineer. Oh, very cool. Nice. Yeah. Great. So man. I got that job. Oh, uh, kind of been riding that since I graduated. Uh, haven't really flopped jobs or anything. I still live at home, which. 
Uh, cool. For those of you out there, it's not bad to live at home. You save hella on rent. <laughs> like, tell you. like no. as long as your parents are cool with it, like just just make yeah. sure you like do some stuff around the house. Be nice to your parents. Like <laughs> like do the chores once in a while. Still, you're not too grown for that. Uh, and and spend time with them. I'm teaching. I'm oh. teaching that as new Pokemon tip number one for people trying to go and do this professionally. Live at home. Be nice to your parents. Yeah, I mean, that I don't, is tip I, number one. I basically never home anyway. Like I'm on the road like half the year, so like having yeah. having a home base is nice. You know, that isn't just like an apartment. That's just me. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Love it. Cool. Well, hey, Raul, thank you so much for coming on the Teach Me Pokemon podcast. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for having us, guys. You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com. Teach Me Pokemon podcast. Come and dive with us. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.